I'm Lauren Dimmitt Waters. I'm a New York City-based blogger and influencer who has been covering beauty, fashion, and lifestyle for what seems like forever. But now I'm a woman in midlife who wants to discover all the secrets to growing younger. I'm ready to explore topics that deal with health and anti-aging, especially when it comes to beauty, fashion, wellness, and longevity. I'll unearth what works and what you shouldn't waste your money on. Even if it's crazy, I'll hunt down the latest and greatest to help us all get through this journey called life with a little humor and a lot of attitude. I want to keep fighting the fight so we can all grow old ungracefully. So welcome to Beauty is a Bitch. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of Beauty is a Bitch. Today, my guest is Pete McCall. He is an expert's expert, a master trainer for core health and fitness, the parent company of Nautilus, Stairmaster, Star Trek, and Schwinn, a content contributor for 24-hour fitness, and an adjunct faculty member in exercise science at both Mesa Community College and San Diego State University, who now brings his knowledge to consumers in a relatable and easy format. He is the owner and president of All About Fitness and the host of All About Fitness podcast. He holds multiple certifications. I won't even get into all of them because it's a long laundry list. He's frequently uh, quoted in national publications such as the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, uh, Made Simple, and he is everywhere. There's men's fitness shape, and McCall earned his master's science degree in exercise science and health promotion from the California University of Pennsylvania and holds the fellow in applied functional science credential from the Gray Institute. He's a semi-retired rugby player. And he's played for Santa Monica Rugby Club, Potomac Athletic Club, and the Boston Irish Wolfhounds, where he was a member, and the 2007 Men's Division Three National Championship team. He lives in San Diego and enjoys mountain biking, obstacle race courses, hiking, keeping up with his two children, and coaching youth rugby. Wow, you do a lot. That's amazing. Well, I'm just kind of listening. I go, yeah, well, it's like having fun and being active. No, that's good. Hey, you try to get out there and do that. So thanks for having me on. This is uh, certainly a pleasure to be on the podcast. Well, thanks for being here. Uh, I love talking about um, fitness and aging and aging. Let's, you know, building a foundation, as you say, for successful aging. So let me, can I ask my first question? Please go for it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Please explain how functional training, that's mobility, strength, power, and metabolic conditioning exercises can slow the aging process. Whew. That's a, that's, well, that's that's a big question, but. Here, in short, here, here's one thing to think about, and this is kind of the cool thing. Our body is an amazing recycling plant, right? Our body is constantly producing new cells. And one of the things that exercise does, any exercise, is stimulate the production of new cells and stimulate the production of hormones responsible for building new cells. So when you look at, at exercise that can actually slow down aging, what you're doing through exercise is you're stimulating the production of new muscle cells, new skin cells, new organ cells. And that's just, just one of the many ways that these types of exercise, strength training, power training, metabolic conditioning, that's just one of the ways that it can help slow the aging process is constantly stimulating the production of new cells for everything your body does. Okay. What, what else can it do besides that? Well, one component of that too is cells, also hormones. We, we don't think about the hormones that control what our body, how our body functions, but hormones are chemicals produced by certain glands, and, and hormones control how cells in our body interact with one another. We have certain hormones that they are called anabolic because they promote growth. Other hormones are catabolic because 
they break down, they're designed to break down tissue. And one of the things that high intensity strength training does, high intensity power training and high intensity interval training does is they stimulate the production of the anabolic hormones like growth hormone, insulin-like growth factor and testosterone. And it's these hormones which help promote new muscle growth. And what's really cool is studies have shown that people in their 60s and 70s can experience elevation of these muscle building hormones. So if you do that, it is, it is the higher intensity exercise that stimulates that anabolic hormone production as opposed to just low, low intensity going for a walk or taking a gentle yoga class. Wow. Okay. So you, you also talk about active aging. What is that? Well, <laughs> we're all aging, right? It doesn't matter how old you are. I mean, that, that's, that's the one thing we have to take a look at. Um, active aging just means being able to do what you, you enjoy doing as you get older. I, I was just talking about this with a friend the other night where a lot of what I try to do is I'm, I'm right in the middle of Gen X. I'm, I'm 49 years old. So I was born in the early 1970s. In my generation, we grew up skateboarding, snowboarding, mountain biking, BMX racing. We, our generation created the X Games. Well, now that as our generation, as my generation is in their 50s and, and you have the younger baby boomers in their 60s, they've grown up being active and they don't want to slow down. They don't want to stop mountain biking. They don't want to stop going surfing. And that's what I see here in Southern California, at least. They just want, they want to be able to enjoy their favorite activities and do it to their best of their ability. And to me, that's what active aging means. Active aging means having the freedom to, if you want to go for a hike, you can do it. If you want to jump out of a plane, you can do it. And, and just because you're in your 50s or 60s doesn't mean anything. Maybe you get the double ARP a discount when you go skydiving. <laughs> that's, that, that'd, be, that'd be the only, but that'd be the only reason why you should, right, is is – it gives you the abilities to enjoy life as we get a little bit older. I know I, I'm with you hundred percent. I mean, when I grew up, my mom would say, get outside and don't come home until the streetlights come on. And that was it. I wasn't allowed to stay home and watch TV. I was, you know, you went outside and played. That was it. And, that, and that's how, honestly, that's how we should be aging, right? It is we should be looking for those opportunities to go outside and play. And again, one of the things you had to, to look back on the past 20 months I think one of the one of the best things, and I try to look at what good came out of like what we've been through with the quarantine and whatnot. One of the best things that happened, I think, Lauren, is that people got back to playing. People got back to being active. Maybe instead of going to the gym because the gyms were closed, they started walking in their neighborhood or they got a bike and or they dusted off their bike and they started riding their bikes again. So I think you're seeing a lot more people kind of returning to kind of their their favorite activities. I agree. No, I I walked a lot. I was outside because that's all you could do. That was the only way you could yeah. get out of the house was go outside and walk, you know, or just be outside. I agree. So um, I just noticed in the book, and I thought this was really interesting that you wrote in it under how we age in the beginning of the book, you wrote the who that is the World Health Organization suggests that individuals who do not meet the recommended levels of physical activity have a 20 to 30% greater risk of an early death when compared to those who perform sufficient levels of physical activity and you yeah no i mean that, that alone should should well you want to you know get moving as, as an educator as someone who's been who's been teaching personal trainers and instructors for years the one point i've always made and this is very important for your listeners is that all exercise works you have you might watch one late night infomercial and, and see a great product and i know the owners of the company i'm not knocking it like total gym Total Gym has been very successful going direct to consumer, but they have a great product, right? And so if you, if you like working on Total Gym, it's going to work for you. If you like walking, it's going to work for you as long as you're active. 
But what we're seeing is that lack of physical activity takes years off the lifespan. If you add, the research shows if those people that have higher levels of muscular strength live longer. The people that have higher aerobic capacity in their 60s, 70s, and 80s live longer. So when you look at the converse of that, people who don't focus on muscular strength or aerobic conditioning, you're, you're taking years off your lifespan. And, and that's really the important message that I try to convey in what I do, what I write, and what I do on my podcast, is, is that we should be exercising to manage the aging process, to really control how, that's what exercise does, is exercise gives us the means for how we age. We don't want to let aging necessarily happen to us, but if we're active throughout the aging process, we can literally, we can manage it. And I think that's, that's the overlooked benefit of exercise that, that I hope to bring to the forefront of just people as, as they become more aware. It's like, yeah, okay, I can see how that happens. I'm just trying to help people understand how. And it's funny because I call, I'm on the same, I, I think the same way, but I call it active aging as in like you take an active role in control, helping control how you age. That's just it. Is yeah. you, you're, you're actively involved in that, right? Is, yeah. is you can sit down. I mean, here's the thing. Aging is going to happen. We can't stop that. No, <laughs> we, no, we you do, you're dead. I mean. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When aging right. stops, kind of everything else stops too. Right. But when we look at it, and it's just, it's making those, and I don't want to sit there and say you have to be uber healthy, right? I mean, it's, but it's making those healthier lifestyle choices. It's when you have choice A or B, I'm going to make the healthier choice if we try to do the healthier choice eight to nine times out of 10, have that dessert every now and then, have that extra drink every now and then, who cares? But I always try to get people thinking about being a good B student, a good B student, <laughs> things. but you get things right 85 to 90% of the time, right? So if we take that approach, but where I want to go with that is we take that approach with just being healthy. We try to be a good B student, meaning we, we do some activity, meaning we watch what we eat most of the time then, Guess what? We're gonna, you're going to add years. I mean, according to the science and the data we're getting, is you're going to add years to your lifespan. So why not make that effort? I agree. I agree. And I like that. Should aim for a B. That's, that's good. Hey, let's, let's, not over, let's not overshoot, right? I mean, I, sometimes I you do well and you get, you get an A for the day. Other times, you know what? Eh, you I might get a C, but it all, it all, it's the average. You aim, for, aim for that high. That, that, hey, that, that sums up my academic career. Yeah, I, I, you know what? <laughs> Uh, that resonates. That resonates. Okay. So I have heard that cardio becomes less important and strength training becomes more important as we age. Do you, what do you think about this? And can you share your thoughts on it? Yeah, no, that's, and that's a great, to kind of define that for a second is cardio is any exercise that gets the heart rate up because it's the cardiorespiratory system that moves blood to the working muscles. A more appropriate way to think of cardio, and I write about this, is metabolic conditioning because you, you're and your muscles produce energy one of three ways, with either with fat and oxygen, with carbohydrate and oxygen, or just pure stored carbohydrate and no oxygen. Right. And, and that's, a, that's a simplistic way of, of explaining this biochem. And so when you're, when you're exercising, you're using one of those three pathways, one of those three metabolic pathways. So that type of exercise, what I write about is that type of exercise, a little bit better to call it metabolic conditioning, because if we're breathing, we're doing cardio. It just matters at what energy pathway are we using. So when we, when we get older, as we age, a lot of people tend to focus on lower intensity exercise using the aerobic energy pathway, which is aerobic lipolysis, breaking down of fat molecules for energy. Well, that's good because we can expend energy, but what it's not doing is it's not doing carbohydrate metabolism. And carbohydrate metabolism happens in muscle cells, and that's different than fat metabolism. And so strength training engages muscle cells for carbohydrate metabolism. 
So that way, as we age in our 60s and 70s, that risk of onset diabetes is significantly lowered. Because even if we're active, and this is where the difference between low intensity and moderate to high intensity exercise exists. If we're active at a lower intensity, we're become, yeah, we can become aerobically fit and our body more capable of using oxygen, but we're not helping our muscle cells become more effective at using carbohydrate for fuel. And that can disrupt that. That can disrupt like the, the carbohydrate, the insulin balance. And that's what could lead to onset diabetes, even in people who are moderately active. They're just not using the muscles. So that's only one important. And, and the other benefit of strength training as we age is we, we, we keep the muscle fibers active. Muscles will atrophy. We are going to atrophy and lose some muscle size as we age. And, and, and here's the crappy thing. No one understands why, right? We have different <laughs> theories, but we don't really understand why, why the body changes as we age. There's no real definitive explanation. But what we do know is we, can, we will lose muscle size, but strength training means you lose maybe 1% of muscle mass per decade as opposed to 10% of muscle mass per decade. And, that's a huge you know, difference. Huge. That's a huge, significant difference, especially for people that want to remain active. Okay, but how if what if you're not a diehard fitness fanatic? Like, where should where should one start? Like, what if they're not really doing anything right now, but they want to make a, a change? Well, and that, that's oh God, I love that question because that's so so important, and and that's what my colleagues and I talk about all the time, right? How do we get? How do we encourage people to start? Well, here, here's the reality: walk around the block. Start by creating habits. I mean, the, the, I think where the big mistake comes in, Lauren, is we recognize we need to make a change, right? I know I need to change my life. Well, if I'm doing zero today and I try to change everything tomorrow, I'm going to have a very low chance of success because I'm not instilling any habits. However, if I want to make a change in my life and I practice one habit a day for a period of time, that habit becomes part of my routine. And then I adopt a new habit. So my recommendation for people is like, look, just get in the habit of making 10 to 15 minutes for a walk around your neighborhood, a walk around the block. Once you get in the habit of that and you find that exercise maybe helps you think a little bit clearer, because I'm sure you experienced this when you started walking in your neighborhood more, right? You oh, probably yeah. walked a couple of times. You're like, wait a minute, I feel a little bit better. I was just outside getting fresh air. Why don't I do this more often, right? In your mind, you probably thought, and so you started walking more regularly and that became more of a habit. And well, if people, it, was meditative. Just, it was also meditative for me. It was just, you know. Exactly. But if you make right. that your goal, if you make that initial goal, I'm going to go for a 15 minute walk right. every day for the next week, 50, we can find 15 minutes in our day to go for a walk. Once you start achieving some success with that, then 20 minutes, then 25 minutes. And then, hey, you know what? You're feeling a little bit better and you, you want to start exercising more. That's where you have so many great resources, like virtual resources. Because I get it. I, I, had, I had clients hire me when I was personal training full time. I had like three or four young women hire me because they wanted to get in shape to go to group fitness classes. They were new members of the gym. And that was their, when, I, when, I, when I started talking to them. And it's like I found out their goal was like, you know what? I really just want to get in shape so I can take the classes. And they, they were they were sort they were whatever they felt they didn't want to go yeah, there. And, and, and to me, that was so empowering. I was like that. I love that goal. Because if you're going to classes, you're going to have fun and meet other people. It's going to be a social environment. So that's really how I, I try to approach exercise. Is I try to approach it more as a just let's look at it as maintaining our health and start start where you feel comfortable, make it a habit. And then once you've made it a habit, then you can start playing around and experimenting with different things. If you feel comfortable, then you join a gym and, and, and look for the type of gym where you feel comfortable. But how to shop for a gym is a whole different conversation well, you know, than exercising. But it's interesting to me that you talk about these women that hired you to get in shape enough to go to the gym. And I, 
I hear that a lot. And I, there are women that I hear from that, you know, are like, I haven't been doing anything. I'm so embarrassed. You know, I used to be a gym rat. It's been 10 years. I've gotten heavy. I'm scared to go back to the gym, you know, more for like being judged or the, you know, and it's their own insecurity about that when no one really cares. I mean, I think, you know, that's, no one's noticing. Nobody, nobody notices. I mean, it's one thing right now, if you're scared to go to the gym because of, of COVID, I get that. And, but if you're, if you're not, if you're scared to go to the gym because you're afraid of what other people are going to think, then, and that, that's what makes me sad. I would, I would hate to think that, you know, a woman's not going to the gym or man because, you know, they're intimidated. Well, what I realized, one of the interesting things I realized, Lauren, when I was personal training, like I said, I worked in downtown Washington, D.C. I worked maybe four or five blocks from the White House. So most of my clients and most of the people I worked with were attorneys. These were people that were attorneys that went to whatever top law schools. That's what they did. What I realized, and this is a number of years ago, was when I was in the gym, when I was working as a trainer and I had my trainer shirt on, I was working with the clients, that these individuals who are attorneys, they were there and they were being reminded of probably junior high school and high school PE class where they weren't necessarily athletic. I mean, these were the student high school government people, right? They should become lawyers and move to DC. But what was funny, so they'd be a little bit shy to approach me to the gym, but there's a Starbucks located right between two of the gyms I worked in. There's a whole chain of gyms. So sometimes I'd hang out there between clients because I realized, number one, I was between clients who could talk to people. And so I'd see people from one of the gyms I worked in and they felt more comfortable talking with me because they were in their suit and tie. They were in their business attire, right? And we were out of the gym environment. Plus, I wasn't working with a client or teaching class at the time. They, and I, that's, that became one of my strategies before I got new clients was I'd literally hang out at the Starbucks certain times a day because between like one and two is that post-lunch coffee or between two and three. And I would literally, I'd get people because it's like, I don't normally have a chance to talk to them in the gym. And one of the things is because they felt more comfortable in their suit and tie than in gym attire. So that's a real thing. I mean, unfortunately, people carry with them. If they had a negative experience in PE, that's what people carry that with them. And they they have that negative relationship with with exercise. But where, where do you think then, though, that someone should start? if they're not doing anything besides walking, like what if, what if you get that little, you've got the walking down and you kind of want to take it to the next level. Well, and that's where live virtual, I mean, live virtual, like Peloton is live and you interact with that and you don't need to, to buy the Peloton bike. No, the, in fact, that app saved yeah. me. I used their walking app, their app yeah. when I was, I was not, I was not sheltering in place in my home where my Peloton was, but I had yeah. the app with me. And I walked and I took my little weights with me and yeah. so I could do the arm, ex- you know, I do the arm classes, not on a bike. And, you know, there's, there's ways to find things and you don't even have to be with other people. Well, and that's just it is virtual. Is it virtual would be that great stepping stone yeah. for that person that you described who I got away from it. Life happened, kids happened, work happened, other priorities happened. I, mean, I get it. And that's, that's, that's one of those are the people I try to communicate to is like, look, if you're in your 40s or early 50s, I get it. Life may have been happening for the last, and you just, it, your your fitness program wasn't your greatest priority, and now you're maybe 10, 20, 30 pounds overweight. I get it. You know, I mean, it, it's it's a totally normal thing. But in, in the mistake that's made is people think if I haven't worked out at, for 10 years and I'm 45, I need to go back to what I was doing at 35. That that's oh. mistake number one, right? Because we can't pick up where we left off. I don't know. But at the same time, too, we need to make that easy transition. And that's where I, I think so people would start virtual, right? Because you become comfortable moving. 
then we become more comfortable moving. Then it's finding the right health club environment for you. And, and most neighborhoods have some type of, of club environment or most, most urban, urban areas have YMCAs, YMCAs, JCCs. Another option that people might not know about that might be very interesting is student rec centers. Like a lot of major universities have really nice student rec centers that, that rival any health club. And people who live in a community can buy a community membership to that rec center because theoretically it's part of your state tax dollars. So like I was at, uh, I was down at LSU this year for a, a workshop. Their student rec center was like 300,000 square feet and people from the community could buy a membership to it and access it. You know, they just be working out around all the students and frankly, students don't really care. <laughs> you know, what I know is all the students, all the 20 somethings, 19, 20 somethings were on their phones and not really paying attention to what was going around to the real world around them. So that might be an option for some people, right? Is that's go work around the younger population that's just staring at the screen the whole time. All right. Here's my next question. What happens when your body has other ideas or the aches and pains start to limit you? Do you push through? What do you do? Like, you know, you're, you're in midlife now and things are hurting. They've never hurt before. <laughs> well, that, in that, uh, that, that's, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm experiencing that. You know, I got a, I got a low back issue that from all the, I mean, it's quite seriously. I, I, I ruptured a disc in my back a number of years ago playing rugby. And so I go through periods where my back feels awesome. I can do anything I want. And then I go through periods and, and actually what triggers it is inactivity. I did, I, I did my first international trip just a couple of weeks ago. I went to a meeting with uh, distributors and in, in, that I work with one of the companies I work with in Dubai. And so I was on a plane for 11 hours for the first time in two years, which <clears throat> my, that's what kills my back. Not moving hurts my back more than moving. And, and so I, I share that because I think a lot of people are the same way where it's like, I have little aches and pains, not moving makes them worse. I mean, we think, think of movement is, is your body has lubricant for your joints, right? If you move and I have arthritis in my, in my hands, I have arthritis in my right knee. So I need to pay attention to that. And, and so it just means I'm I, longer warm up, and, and that's really where people going back to your question about mobility, mobility is essential as we age because you want to make sure all the joints and tissues can move in all directions. And so if you do have some aches and pains, like when my back is flaring up like right now, my, my, my warm-up goes from maybe eight to 10 minutes to 20 to, you know, maybe 10 to 20 minutes where I spend a lot more time stretching, mobilizing stuff. And I back off the workout, right? It's like, you know, increasing, so if you're, if anybody out there, you have a flare up shoulder back and you know, it's, you're not in pain, it just is an old injury that bothers you every now and then. Well, that's a signal that you overdid it. So you know what? Spend a little bit more time on the easy stuff, but spend a little bit less time on the hard stuff for a couple workouts. And, and more often than not, it takes care of itself. That's if it's just like an ongoing nagging injury, right? But right. the worst thing to do is not do I mean, in my opinion, the worst thing to do is not do anything at all. If you're in pain, go see a doctor. Go see a medical, go, go see a medical professional if you're in pain. But if it's just something that's a little bit uncomfortable and it flares up every now and then, got to work through it. That's that's like, I, I hate to say that. And it, there is some discomfort, but working through it just, I mean, part of what you have to do too, and this is from my chiropractor, is we just have to move. The body wants to be back in alignment. And so like sometimes I'll go for an adjustment. It goes, okay, go walk for 20 minutes because that's going to help repattern, repattern the bones and the adjustment you just made. And it just is, is more evidence that, Hey, if you're a little bit uncomfortable, move. And guess what? You'll probably feel better before long. I agree. I agree with that. That's what I do when things hurt a bit. I'm like, I notice when I'm sitting for too long, I have to get up and walk and it feels better. 
you know, so. Well, well here's, here's a cool little thing that, that this was my find interesting is when you start doing higher intensity exercise, your body releases some tra- neurotransmitters. Dopamine is one of them and dopamine, dopamine is the feel good transmitter. But one of the other neurotransmitters that's released are, are endogenous internal cannabinoids. Like, so basically the internal, so CBD is a non-psychoactive cannabinoid. THC is a psychoactive cannabinoid. Well, your body has an endogenous cannabinoid system that, that that's what your pain, that, that runner's high literally comes from some of those chemicals that interact with THC and with cannabis. So that when you start exercising at a moderate to high intensity, your body literally is producing painkillers. And that's why when you, when you start exercising, if you work through that first six to 10 minutes, your heart rate goes up, your body's releasing certain chemicals, certain neurotransmitters, guess what? That's like free pain medication and you can move for the next hour. Now, when you cool back down, it's a different story, but you just, but that's where the reason why I say that is it's really important. If it's a discomfort, you just have to learn how to work through it because your body will take care of itself. And before long, if you nature, if you, if you, take care of yourself and go easy, but keep moving, the body will generally take care of itself. And then when you feel better, go train hard again. But if you, if you, if something's sore, don't train hard, spend more time on the easy stuff and less time on the hard stuff. All right. So what, what are the different fitness trends and if, and how appropriate for aging demographics like Nautilus, Stairmaster, Cross, you mentioned Peloton. Well, here, here's one of the trends I think we're going to be seeing uh, becoming more popular. And that's um, what's called blood flow restriction. And blood flow restriction is you, you, you take a tourniquet, literally you tie a tourniquet around the upper arm or you try a tourniquet around the upper thigh. And what you're doing is you're restricting the, the flow of blood from the muscle back to the, the venous return, back to the lungs and heart. And what the evidence shows is that when you restrict that venous return, what you're doing is allowing metabolites, the metabolic byproduct of strength training to, to stay in the muscle cell. So it accelerates muscle growth. So it's, it's one way to accelerate muscle growth without having to lift a lot of heavy weights, which is perfect for as we age. And that's, that's one of those things where when I, when I wrote Ageless Intensity, I kind of was aware of it, but I didn't dive into the science of it. So when I write the next, next edition of Ageless Intensity, but, but in all reality, but you do that and it's just, it's one way to accelerate muscle growth. And there've been a couple of companies that have made more accessible products. So I think we'll see more blood flow restriction in, in the coming year or two we'll see whole formats and programs dedicated to it. Interesting. Okay. What now, can you explain the importance of mobility and movement? I mean, you sort of did before, but. Well, in mobility, a lot of times people, so the, the, the common way that people look at exercise is you have flexibility, cardio, and strength, right? And, and so I look at cardio as I explained as metabolic conditioning and flexibility. If you want to be specific about it, flexibility refers only to joints. Does a joint have a specific range of motion? muscles shorten and lengthen. Muscles are extensible. So mobility is a combination of joint range of motion and tissue extensibility, the the ability of muscles to lengthen and shorten. So I just wanted to define that real quick. So mobility should be one of the key components of what we do in fitness because it allows, we have some joints in our body that are designed to be mobile. They allow unrestricted movement, like your shoulder and hip allow multiplanar movement. Your thoracic spine can rotate in a lot of directions and it can, it can bend and it can straighten. So your thoracic spine has a lot of mobility and your feet and ankles have a lot of mobility. So those are the areas in your body with the greatest mobility. The areas with stability include your knees, your lumbar spine, the scapulothoracic joint. That's how the shoulder blade sits on the back of the rib cage. 
And what happens in our body with, with through posture, through inactivity, is if we don't use those joints, if we don't allow the mobile joints to go through the range of motion, and we don't work on the stable joints being able to, to maintain and provide that stability, then the structure breaks down. It's like leaving it's like leaving a car in your backyard, right? That's the perfect analogy for what happens to the body. If you leave that 1968 Ford Mustang in your backyard and you don't do anything with it, the tires are going to rot, the belts are going to rot, the engine oil will drain out, and you can't drive it because it's undrivable. If you don't use, if you don't exercise with your body, that's exactly what happens. It just falls apart. But if you use your body, if you drive that car on a regular basis, you change the oil, you do the maintenance, you change the tires, that 1968 Mustang could still be purring like a kitten and taking you around and, and doing all your errands today. And the same thing with your body is if you keep it lubricated, and that's what mobility training is, is you're keeping your joints and tissues lubricated. You're moving through the ranges of motion. And even if it's a little uncomfortable, just what I was talking about, work through that discomfort. Discomfort does not mean that there, discomfort is not pain. Discomfort just means we need to move into a new range of motion because if you don't use, if you don't use your muscles and joints, collagen fibers bind down between the layers. That's what all those like massage guns, I got one right over my shoulder for, for listeners can't see it, but massage guns, foam rollers, massage therapy, they're designed to break up the collagen because if we're not moving in multiple planes of motion, collagen will bind down between layers of muscle and restrict joint motion. And that's a long-winded way of saying it's just like, if we stop moving, we lose it. You know, if we don't move it, we lose it. You know, because that's, we, that's what I always say, use it or lose it. And that's just, so mobility could be taking yoga class, mobility could be just doing a bodyweight dance class. Dancing is mobility. So it's just, is mobility to me is moving your body in all directions, all planes of motion and being able to control your body movement through space. And I think a lot of us overlook just some basic body. I mean, sometimes just a basic body weight workout is the best thing you can do for your body because you're not going to overstress it that day. Hmm. Wow. There's, okay. So I, so I don't do as high intensity as I used to. I can't, you know, I can't, and I'm yeah. sure I'm not the only person listening who has had some health issues where they can't work out. Like I used to be a gym rat and I can't be now. Yeah. Uh, you know, which, which really got to me for a while, you know, and then you just learn to make the best of what. And so what have you done? Like, so for, for using your example, like what's, what's your fix for, for how to get your, your move on? Well, for me, it, you know, it was the Peloton, uh, because it was no impact, you know, on my knees and, and yeah. I got sweating and then, but I wasn't doing any weight training. I was all cardio because I was, you know, a Gen Xer, and that's what we did, especially the women. We did step class, yeah. we did aerobics, and you know, so and I and I taught spinning actually, I was a spin instructor for okay. many years. So, but I'd gotten away from all of that, and then, um, after some of my, my setbacks with my health and whatnot, I did find my way back and I got a Peloton, which was great, and that was fantastic. But then, like, I wasn't, but I didn't lift weights, I didn't own a weight. Uh, really, I mean, I have the three pound ones on the back of my bike, but that doesn't really count because that's just, you know, a little bit, but so I've started now in the past, since last spring, I've been weight training and I'm walking a lot more. I'm actually riding my Peloton less Hmm. because there's only so many hours in the day. So, yeah. yeah. Well, Peloton, I mean, Peloton put out a great product and and they, they did a great thing, but that you're right. My, my concern is someone who, who understands exercise physiology is indoor cycling is, is a great workout. It really is. I right. work with Schwinn, but not more than three or maybe four times a week because yeah. it can be overstressed for the knees. And 
it's too much high. If you try to really do the class as fast as possible, it is too much high intensity exercise. So something like that. And that's where you have to find, especially when somebody gets in the Peloton for the first time, they get that bike, they're doing class every day. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're exercising. Let's back that off a little bit because your body also needs movement. And that's where you, cause in biking, indoor cycling or outdoor, you're just in one dominant plane of motion. There's no lateral movement. There's no, there's very minimal rotational movement. So your joints, that's a perfect example of anti-mobility training right, right. being stuck on, on an indoor bike four or five days a week. Yeah, but they, they've added a lot of different types of classes too. I mean, during during right. the pandemic, I rode my bike, you know, uh, I'd say five to six days a week and I needed it, you know, between that and the walking. I Absolutely, was mentally, yeah. But, you know, it wasn't, it's, I'm, there were, I have no, mu- I had mo- no muscle tone, Um you know, and as I aged, it's, I, it took me, I had to really reprogram a little bit and, and yeah. learn what was going to be better for me for aging. You know, I didn't think about weight training. I didn't think about um, strength training and, and the importance of that as I got older. And that's after watching both of my parents just sort of disintegrate. So I can see, that's why I always, I always just say to my dad, come on, you got to move it or lose it. I used to say that to him. Ooh. Well, and it's absolutely true, but that I, I've seen my dad, my dad is apparently two inches shorter than he, than he was before. And, and he's almost 80. And, and it really is that be, one of the reasons why we strength train is to maintain muscle mass and maintain bone mass. And that become and that that's one of the critical things as we, as we age. And, and what's interesting is it's very similar, Lauren, there, there's like a generational divide. I, like I said, I'm, I'm 49 years old. So when I was in, the, in my prime time, when I was teaching 12 to 15 group fitness classes a week and training 20, 25 sessions a week, I was between the ages of like 30 and 36. So 30 and 34, 30, yeah, between like 29, 29 and 34, those five, six years was when I was doing that full time. And what I noticed then that women that were kind of my age and younger, like 30-ish and younger, had grown up being very active, had grown up playing a lot of sports and were much more comfortable exercising then at the time, women who are 35 and older, and those women who are 35 back then are probably over the age of 60 now. So it's kind of that generational divide of where yeah. what I've noticed in women is, and I, I hate I hate saying this because it sounds like I'm mansplaining something, but it's just been it's it's been a an observation in the gym is it's like those women who are aged about somewhere in the low to mid 50s and older now are still a little bit leery of strength training, and those women that are about age 40 and under who grew up in, in everything Title IX, who grew up doing playing high school sports, because even high school athletes now get better strength and conditioning programs than professional athletes did 25, 30 years ago. And that's yeah. something a lot of people don't realize is we've, we've evolved. Not only has commercial fitness evolved, but in, in the lower rungs of strength and conditioning, many more high schools now, 20 years ago, let's make it 30 years ago, 30 years ago in the late 80s, early 90s, they told professional athletes not to lift weights because it would slow down their athleticism. And it's yeah, only been about the last. Up. They would get big and it would slow them down. Right. And that, and that kind of, and that transferred over to women, right? They told women not to yeah. lift You know, it'd be, and so women in the seventies and eighties were told not to lift weights because it would make them too big. And so you have this irrational fear that's kind of been baked in to our industry, but those younger women who are born like 1980, 1990 and after they grew up with high school strength and conditioning programs. They grew up, doing like the speed agility camps on during the summer. So now that these young men and women and women specifically are in their low twenties, I am seeing, we're talking about this for one of the companies I work with is we're seeing many more women 
in the barbell, in the weight training area, the gyms and ever before, like 10, 15 years ago, I might've said a weight training area, maybe would have 20 to 30% women, give or take. Now, if you go to any weight training area of a big box gym, it's going to be about a 50, 50 mix of young women in there doing barbell lifts, doing dumbbell lifts, which is, I think, phenomenal. It's, it's, it's a we tremendous thing. We have to get the midlife women to do that now, you know, but, but, but that, don't start yeah. just going in and lifting weights. Like definitely hmm. learn, learn what you're doing. Like, but that's where I think, have you ever taken bar class? I mean, do you ever take bar classes? And, and I'm a meathead. So me talking about bar is kind of a little. Well, my, my idea of bars, the other kind of bar, the B, <laughs> B. No, yeah. no, the, the, the one that looks like ballet class. That's my, yeah. my idea of bar, which is what I used to do yeah. before my surgery. Not opposed to the bar, the B-A-R, where you get drinks. But then also yeah. you're talking about like weightlifting bar classes. Bar, right? bar exercise. Well, no, like no bar, like B-A-R-R-E, the, those, those low weight. Because the, the thing about bar, bar classes is they work. It's, it's a high volume. You're using lighter weight for a higher volume. And that will help develop muscle strength I, and I definition. Was, I was in the best shape of my life when I did those classes. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm a big exactly. fan. And, 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 and if that's a starting point for some women Absolutely. to start strength training, I think that's phenomenal. And I, I look at bar as, like I said, everything works. And, and if somebody who might be intimidated by strength training, bar is the perfect kind of I, avenue I into that agree. because you're going to be using lightweight. for. But you just, you just got to be prepared. Normal strength training, you want to hit fatigue somewhere between five and eight repetitions. That's how muscles get stronger. When you're doing lightweight like bar, you're going to fatigue at about 25 or 30 repetitions. Oh, and then so they put you past that. I mean, that was fatigue like I've never felt. In my, I mean, that's a burn. Like, and, and, and that just means that your muscles are doing more work. Oh, yeah. that, that burning just means the muscles are doing more work. And that's where it's just a different way to get the overload. But bar for women, for those people that might be intimidated by normal strength training, I highly, I'm a big proponent of bar. I love it. Yeah, I know. I wish I could still do it. Trust me. I, I was like the, one of the, that's what I was doing up until yeah. my first surgery. Like the night before I took my last bar class, like it was, I was, yeah. but I loved it. It was, it's like got everything. It's got the weight. It's like, and it was mostly women in there. And I didn't, everybody is so concerned about doing the movements. You're not even looking at anybody. Like I would tell people you should not be intimidated in a bar class because nobody is paying attention to you except the instructor. Like, well, you're holding, you're, you're, and you're holding up a copy of Ageless Intensity. The yeah. woman who is the woman who is the model in the mobility section. She's like a leading bar instructor, and, and she she travels around the world and trains other bar instructors. But that she's in her mid forties. I think she's forty. She'll kill me for saying her age, but she's somewhere in the mid forties. Upper. She's above the age of forty five, but she does a lot of bar, and and you can tell the benefits of her just her physique and everything, and the fact she has great mobility even in her forties. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's like Pilates. It's it's got a little bit of everything in it. So it does, yeah. I do want to hold. I'm, I do want to tell everyone the name of your book. It's called Ageless Intensity: High Intensity Workouts to Slow the Aging Process by Pete McCall. And they you can follow, they can listen to your podcast, all about fitness podcast, and that's also your your Instagram, right? At all yep. about fitness all, at all about fitness podcast. Yeah, I try to show an old man like me does to stay in shape. Well, <laughs> You're not an old man, not in this, not, not, not to my listeners. That's for sure. Oh, well, thank you. Well, thank you so much. Do you have anything else you want to add before we wrap it up? This has been fascinating. No, thank you. No, it was an, it was an honor to speak with you. And, and for anybody listening, just get out and move, just, just move, move and, and, and think about that. Do you want to treat your body like a car you leave in the backyard and it falls apart? And no, the answer is no. So just get I out of that. Yeah. No, not, not the 1968 Mustang in the back 
yard. Don't let it go. Let, don't let it rot. So thank you so much. Um, if you've enjoyed this episode, please be sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out a lot. I have a new pro-aging podcast weekly, so please contact Lauren at fountainof30.com for sponsorship opportunities. Take care, everyone, and get out there and move. Until next time, bye. Bye.